Macworld Podcast number 304 for Wednesday, June 6th. again, everyone. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Philip Michaels. It's uh, the week before the Worldwide Developer Conference, but we're going to focus on another conference in this particular episode of the Macworld Podcast. Last week's D conference down in Los Angeles, which our very own Jason Snell attended, he has, uh, he has uh, rubbed shoulders with the, with the hoity-toity, with the elite of the world, with the Rupert Murdochs, I dare say. And lived to tell the tale, and now he's here to tell the tale to us. Hello, Jason. Hello, Phil. How was uh, the D conference? It was lovely as always. They have it at a fancy resort in the uh, on the coast, just south of L.A. Rancho Palos Verdes. Rancho Palos Verdes, the site of the former Marineland amusement or slash sea park. And that, now, and now, is that the Trump uh, owned property now? I don't know if because he has a he has a golf club out there. Well, I guess what I'd say is it doesn't have the Trump name on it, which well, then, leads me obvi- to believe it's not <laughs> yes. his because he puts his name on everything that exactly. he does. But it, it was a uh, yeah beautiful, great guest list great speakers mm-hmm. um you know the wall street journal and the clout that, that that the journal provides and that walt mossberg and kara swisher provides they they get a they, they get a good audience and it is sort of the the audience that steve jobs helped build by appearing at so many of their conferences Let, let's let's pull back for a second and, and and tell the nice people on the other end of the listening device what the d conference actually is well d is not just the fourth letter of the alphabet mm-hmm it, but it is uh, it stands for digital for all things digital, which is a website that the Wall Street Journal publishes on on technology with uh, tech news and product reviews, and it's run by Walt Mossberg and Kara Swisher. Walt Mossberg has been writing product reviews of technology products at the Journal for years and years, um, and they they do this site and they do a series of conferences, including. Um, the annual D conference, and then they have some spinoff conferences as well. Uh, so for the last 10 years, they've been doing this conference around Memorial Day weekend in Southern California where they uh, go to some fancy resort and they have a lot of fancy speakers over the course of about two days, two and a half days. And uh, the guest list has included pretty much anybody you can think of in technology, including Steve Jobs many times, Larry Ellison, uh, Sergey and Larry from Google, Bill Gates, Steve Ballmer—you know, you name it—the the guys who did YouTube. I mean, everybody uh, seems to have appeared at the D conference at one time or another. And this time, it was uh, Tim Cook's turn in the in the comfy chair. He got the spotlight too. He was he was the opening night speaker. Tim Cook. I, I, I that would pretty much for our audience be kind of the the marquee event for D. So let's let's uh, focus on that and. Um, what kind of impression did Tim Cook make for you? You know, he is a he's a smart guy. He is he definitely has a different style than Steve Jobs. Um, he uh, has a dry sense of humor, which I appreciate. He um, occasionally would seem forthcoming. You could tell that he, there were things that he wanted to he he wanted to say a little bit, but uh, you know, realized they wouldn't be prudent to make. Uh, specific comments and and, that, well, and what's, that, a, what's an example of that well like when asked about ping <laughs> um he 
admitted that it's a failure, basically, by saying, well, you know, some people liked it, but most people didn't use it. And uh, I, and when asked whether they'd get rid of it, he said, I'll have to look at it, which, you know, you have to read between the lines there. But clearly he was being more forthright than one might expect, but it's not as if he just said, yeah, we blew it. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, he doesn't say that any more than Steve Jobs would, would say that. So, um, so you know, he, he, the problem with these events is that the interviewers want to ask – um, questions about what the next product will be, and they're not going to answer that. They're and, never going to answer that. And in fact, if if I recall, one of the first questions is, "So, what are you going to announce at WWDC?" I'm not going to tell you yeah. that. Yeah. Was well, the, that was meant as a joke, but yeah. then but then they do. We we see this in the analyst calls every quarter as well, mm-hmm. where you have the you can joke about it, but then then they try to ask the tricky question, like they're going to oh. He's, he, we're gonna we're gonna trick him into saying something, which why well, yes not. we are coming out with a television set. No, you know, and, and if there and if it is something that that um, that they they are disclosing or hinting at, that's a cho- a, a choice to to hint too. I mean, it's all Apple's not going to tell you as 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 uh, Tim Cook said at the event. They're in fact doubling down on product secrecy. That mm-hmm. Apple Apple gets a lot out of. A big reveal, and they're not going to leak stuff in advance to you know on stage at the at the D conference or anywhere else. So we have to read between the lines. And so they, you know, Cook was willing to disclose a little bit about Apple's thoughts about the, their TV strategy with Apple TV, and it, it very much like what we get on these analyst calls that we all listen to as as uh, as journalists who cover Apple. Um, Apple is not unwilling to talk about the sort of thought process that goes on, the philosophy of some things. Um, and that's where you can kind of get a hint about how, you know, where Apple's going. But Apple's not going to tell you what products they're releasing. So you you can hear Tim Cook. It's very interesting to hear him talk about the TV industry and what Apple feels like about the TV market and, and Apple TV and a little bit about why, you know, what Apple looks for when it decides whether there's a product for it to release. And he went into all of that, and that was great. But he's not going to say, here's what our TV is going to look like. Mm-hmm. He, it's not going to do that. In lieu of actual product news, then, what were what were your big takeaways? Oh, I, I think him talking about Steve Jobs was um, more than we've heard from him personally about uh, sort of his relationship with Steve and um, and his conversations with Steve about uh, the sort of passing of the baton, mm-hmm. that, you know, making it clear that uh, Steve said, don't worry about what I would think of something or what I would do of something, just, you know, do the right thing, which is when we've got sites posting, you know, reasons that... Steve Jobs is rolling over in his grave stories, and those are going to keep on coming. Every time Apple does anything, we're going to hear that. Right. Um, the Steve fact jo- is, Steve Jobs would never have put a button there. Yeah, Steve Jobs would never have released, you know, Ping or the G4 Cube. Or I mean, yeah. the, the revisionism is is startling. But mm-hmm. um, you know, Jobs himself said said, uh, "Don't worry about me. Do what's right." And then separately in the conversation, they talked about how Jobs was unafraid to switch sides. That he would he would argue a point and then realize it was wrong, and he would the next day it would be as if he had always been on that side of the argument. Um, and so even if even if you could point at something and say Steve Jobs didn't like this sort of thing, you know you can't say that he would have not changed his mind. Later, so it's a it's a silly thing. So it was interesting to hear Cook talk about that a little bit, and and you know he was actually emotional when he was talking about sort of uh, last conversations that he had with Steve, and uh, so that was interesting. And then I liked the restatement of Apple's product philosophy of like we want to add 
we want to be able to control these things and add value here. And it's like, we, you know, we're not going to create a product just because we feel we need to, that, that, that we have to actually meet certain, um, certain rules need to be fulfilled before we will actually create, create a product. And it's that's a, good to hear because yeah. Apple's not like a, you know, a black box. They, they do talk about how they wait before they enter a market. It seemed like there was a nice debate between Walt Mossberg and Tim Cook, debate of sorts, uh, in regards to the um, uh, making a lower price uh, iPad or lower price iPhone. Right. And, and Walt Mossberg kept going, but you did it with the, with the iPod. And Tim Cook's rejoinder was, um, well, we did it with the iPod because we thought that the shuffle was a cool product we weren't trying to necessarily make a right a, there there's a, an argument that what apple's trying to do with the iphone and maybe the ipad is uh you know ultimately come up with more models that fill in more price points mm-hmm. and the ipod certainly had lots of different ipods at a lot of different price points what cook said was we made those products because they were different the nano was small the shuffle was even smaller and 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 that's why we made those products we didn't make them just to fill out space in a a price list Mm -hmm. and that's an interesting answer it's also an interesting non-answer because what you could read that as being well that's why there's only one ipad ha ha um or you could read that as being the explanation for when they come out with the seven-inch iPad. Right, they did it because they thought there was a reason to. But it what the point a is, function. the point is, they're not going to come out with a seven-inch iPad just because they feel that they need to fill in some part of the of the lineup. They'll do it because they feel like it makes sense in some way. And I I, I really think that's the reason there isn't a seven-inch iPad to this date is because they have it hasn't made sense for Apple or to mm-hmm. Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else from the Tim Cook discussion that that stands out for you, or shall we uh, talk about some of the other things that happened at D? Um, it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It seemed like a it seemed like a very um, Steve Jobs uh, uh, themed event, yes, it was. as it were, because you had the the tribute to yeah, Steve Jobs. Yeah, so Larry Ellison, um, who was uh, who is the CEO of Oracle, but his also his claim to fame is that he's he basically was Steve Jobs' best friend. As only only a tech billionaire can understand another tech billionaire, mm-hmm. and uh, also Ed Catmull, who is the uh, president of Pixar, and uh, so obviously worked with Steve Jobs for years at Pixar, and so they had individual sessions where they talked about their own stuff, and then they had a joint session where they talked about Steve mm-hmm. with Walt, who also had many you know conversations with Steve Jobs over the years, right. And so uh, that was that was interesting. And, and Steve, I, I mentioned this earlier. Steve's pre- presence at D helped make D what it is. I think that there's no doubt that um, you know he, he. It's the only other, only non-Apple event that Steve really appeared at uh, with any regularity. He was there a lot. I think he did that out of respect for Walt Mossberg, and his presence made that a must go conference and and so i think it was fitting that they spent some time to to talk about steve they released all of his all of steve's appearances at the d conference on itunes as a podcast video and audio mm-hmm. um they did that during the event they announced that and then they had this session with cat mullen ellison where they sort of told stories about steve and lessons that they learned from from um, being around steve and of course we'll have a link to those podcasts i think in our show notes so yeah and dating back to the first d so dating back to 2001 so very interesting progression. Uh, 2002 i guess so yeah. interesting progression of of uh Steve Jobs through the years and and, and it includes the Bill Gates life. Steve Jobs joint session. Yes, right. Well, that's 
that's worth the price of admission alone. Yeah. The price of admission is free, is free to you. The low, listener. low price of free. Just your time. And of course, Aaron Sorkin was there to talk. Uh, he was. To talk about his script. I'm a big fan, as I think I tweeted, of Aaron Sorkin. Aaron, Aaron Sorkin. Um, that, you, the, the irony, I hope, yeah. came through. The, the sarcasm, rather. You've, you've watched Aaron Sorkin things before. Yes, Didn't I you have. Watched, you watched The West Wing. I've watched The West Wing. I watched The Sports Night. I, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, en- I enjoy A Few Good Men. He's he is um he he is a writer capable of of very high very high highs and very low yes, lows. Yes, yes. He 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 makes some good stuff and then uh, and but when you talk to his fans you have to risk that moment where they're like no everything he does is great. Right. And, it's like, well, and my my counter yeah. my my feeling is that some the highs are not as frequent as some people would would yeah. would have you believe. But that's that's one man's opinion. But he's the man behind the West Wing, which is a beloved show right. and Sports Night which is a beloved show and mm-hmm. Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip which, which is was a, a show that aired <laughs> that appeared and other shows. <laughs> yes. yeah, and that's why they made Make different flavors of ice cream and the, and the social network mm-hmm. you know oscar winning movie the social network he wrote the screenplay for that about about mark zuckerberg and facebook and, 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 so and now thought, and and the relevance here is that he's writing the um uh the screenplay for one of the two steve jobs by yes he's, he's currently in production the, the, well the there's the one that that ashton kutcher has been uh cast for and then and this one <laughs> sorry this which is, I, I assume that version is either going to be like punked or uh, two, and a, two and a half billionaires. Yes. Dude, where's my cube? Uh, but, yeah. Uh, so um, this is the other one. This yeah. is based on the Isaacson biography, and it's at a very early stage. To, it's really a, what Sorkin referred to as the procrastination stage, which mm-hmm. is he's been contracted to write it, and he's still at that sort of moment of like, well, what am I going to write? Uh, the blinking cursor is sitting there mocking him. Um, and who knows? Maybe he got some some ideas by being at the D conference and seeing people who uh, who knew Steve Jobs. But he had interesting perspectives about that. How do you dramatize a biography? He said the whole cradle to grave uh, arc is is not interesting from a, from a narrative perspective. So he needs to find what he called the point of friction in Steve Jobs's life that can be at the core of writing a story about about him. Um, if, you only, know, if only Steve Jobs's life had those. Yeah, I think I think there's well one thing he said when they asked about the Ashton Kutcher uh, movie is Steve Jobs he said is a big enough person to have way more than one movie about him, Um, but I think with Sorkin what you're going to get is you're going to get an interesting take. It's going to be it's going to be a little. idiosyncratic maybe and that's a good thing that it won't feel like a paint by numbers kind of biography and i'm who knows whether this other one will but i'm thinking of pirates of silicon valley that tv movie that was made like 10 years ago mm-hmm. with uh noah wiley as steve jobs and anthony michael hall as bill gates and bender as and steve bender Palmer. as steve Ballmer. yes mm-hmm. indeed um i can't watch that now without thinking that bender is steve Ballmer. Mm-hmm. and and uh, that was that was very much in that paint by numbers kind of arc. And what Sorkin will bring, for for good or ill, is he will bring his kind of own voice and take to it. And I think that's good. I think I think Aaron Sorkin is never guilty of mailing it in. I think I think he's always given it a try, and sometimes it doesn't work. But um, I I feel like uh, he. 
by the way, he was there to plug his HBO show. I should say that too. Right. Why? Why was he there? Was he there to learn from the tech titans about Stephen? No, he was there to plug the newsroom coming to HBO later this month. And now we've plugged it and done yes, his dirty work yes. for him. And he was very tan too. That's the other thing I had to laugh at is that first off, it's a writer being interviewed, and that brought to mind that old joke about the uh, the star the confused starlet who goes to Hollywood and to get ahead she tries to sleep with the screenwriter. Mm. Like, no, 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 no. And yet here we have a star screenwriter, and and he was very tan too which is i thought was fun he was he was many degrees many shades darker than the the pasty scribes who are who are transcribing what he was saying did the so, aaron circuit session feature him and walt mossberg walking down a hallway with the rest of you following at a distance and listening to their conversation i they, was hoping yeah I, w- I was hoping and in fact uh we were musing afterward or actually during i was i was uh chatting with uh with one of our editors serenity caldwell who's a big aaron sorkin fan and we were musing about the movie about aaron sorkin which would probably be called walking and talking mm-hmm. the Aaron Sorkin story, in which case everybody will walk. Conversations and talk. in a hallway. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. But no, they did their conversations on a stage, and he he fidgeted and twisted around in his chair. And but but he sat. But he did he did sit. Oh yeah, well, that's... yeah. Interesting guy. Interesting guy. Um, and they, Walt kept wanting to say. Um, Tell us about how technology has changed your changed your work, changed your life. Well, it hasn't really. No, no, really. No, it really hasn't. Uh, he he doesn't write for for people who are surfing the web while they're watching TV. Uh, that's one of the reasons that he's on HBO is because those people actually paid for their the content, so they'll probably watch it and not sort of have it on in the background while they're doing the dishes. And uh, that he doesn't think about clips on the internet or anything like that. He just he writes the way he said it is he writes the same way those guys wrote I Love Lucy. He's just a guy. He's, he doesn't have a typewriter. He's got a computer, but otherwise he just sits down and he writes. And I, I thought there was something refreshing about that, that he's not using cutting-edge techniques to do his screenplays and thinking about how the product will be monetized across various technology platforms he just writes and there's something to be said for that in terms of non-steve jobs non-apple happenings at du uh anything stand out for you Couple things, um, and I wrote about these both on our uh, our Tech Hive site that we're doing now, the beta the beta site. Um, one of them was Mark Pincus from Zynga was there, and I I was interested in that uh, because they've been so successful on Facebook, but when they were um, talking about mobile, he admitted that mobile is a challenge for them. And the apps are a challenge for them. And the part that made me sort of chuckle was they have two sorts of apps at Zynga. They've got things like Words with Friends that are not the traditional Zynga kind of app. And which didn't really uh, originate. Right. Them, well, they, right? And they purchased and draw yeah. something they purchased too. And then they've got these other apps, and I can't remember the name now, but it was something – things that are more like Farmville, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're buying you, – you know, you're tending to it and you're buying lots of resources for it. I think and, um, Mob Wars is theirs or the, – Yeah, yeah. But on the, poker. And they have, and yeah. They, yeah, well, and they've got poker. They've got the largest online poker site in the world apparently. So, so I feel like as soon as they make uh, – uh, online gambling legal in the U.S. Zynga will be worth three times what it's worth now. But mm-hmm. um, the the point is that the Words with Friends kind of apps do way better than the Farmville kind of apps. And you get the sense that they're way less profitable to Zynga. And so Zynga's got a threat on on mobile with these apps that they haven't figured out. Their, their, their trick 
that makes them so successful on pa- on Facebook doesn't work as well on mobile, and so they're they're kind of challenged there. Mm-hmm. So that session was interesting, and then um, the other session that I really liked was the president of Stanford University and the the guy from the Khan Academy, uh, which does online uh, online video tutorials and classes. Did a did a session about the future of education and higher ed, which just gave me the distinct sense that not only will college for my daughter, who will be going to school, college in like seven years, be unlike anything that you and I experienced when we went to college, I get the distinct sense that college for my daughter will probably be not unlike will be unlike the college experience of people going to college this year mm-hmm. that that the higher education world is being so um, transformed by technology that I, I just get the sense that sometime very soon um, college and education in general are just no longer we're, we're going to reach a schism and after that point things will be just incredibly different than they are now and, and, and I don't know when that transition point will happen and how how fast it'll it'll go, although I get the sense that it will probably happen pretty rapidly. Uh, but just using technology for education, we're going to reach a point where I think the pressures of our, our – uh, the cost of our educational systems um, is going to flip things around and you're going to have lots of education happening online and a lot less of it in person. And what that means for that kind of go away to college experience is uh, is an open question whether there will be as much of it. So it was it was a really just interesting – session with some very smart people who think about this all the time that gave me the sense that that's a place where the world is really changing. And if there was something that I might have taken for granted as a life experience, um, like college, um, I shouldn't because probably it's not going to be like that very much longer. Um, so that was a, that, and that's the best of, of something like the D conferences is, is is that sort of thing. Having a session where not only are you listening to these really smart people talking, but it's really provoking some thoughts, um, you know, among the members of the audience about sort of like, wow, I hadn't really thought of it that way, and that's that's how I got out of that. Was a really really good who, session. Who, who attends the D conference besides uh, uh, Ink Sting Tech? Re- yes, it's, it's wretches tech, like yourself. It's tech writers and and uh, it, and I think it's you know technology industry. Uh, people mm-hmm. titans. I mean, it's not a cheap ticket. I think it's like five grand to go. So it's a you know it's it's executive level people in the technology industry or entertainment industry or other industries that are that are uh, related to the tech industry. Um, but it's a good group. I mean, it's this is it's it's media people like me and uh, and tech executives basically and media executives and related executives. It's definitely a an executive conference. Okay. And um, uh, Skype w- w- had a session, did they not? Yes. That was the Microsoft Skype division. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Was they that, were there. Was that uh, uh, memorable for you? I, I would say I remember two things from that session. One is when asked how popular Skype is, the president of Skype framed it as the percentage of long-distance minutes used worldwide in a given time span Mm -hmm. long distance minutes well that's an interesting metric and and they they have a great percentage of that but first off i never thought of of skype as long distance calls and i've never thought of minutes of long i haven't thought of minutes of long distance in you know a decade really so i found that very strange Mm -hmm. 
Um, but that's one way of thinking of it, I guess, is that they're like a long-distance phone service. I would I never th- have thought of that I think that, that is how Skype positions themselves, really. Well, it's- very clearly, they're not they, – they were asked about, you know, uh, competing with Google Hangout or things like that as a, as a video uh, – you know, a broadcast medium mm-hmm. or a recording medium. And we use them – we use Skype for podcasts, for our own podcasts. And sure – um, and they, they don't. They are a they are a small group or person to person communication medium. That's how they that's how they view themselves. So anyway, that was that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And then the other memorable thing that came out of that is bless his heart, Joshua Topolsky from TheVerge.com got up, asked the first question, and his question was the question I would have asked, which is, "Hey, I'm a Mac user, and your latest version of Skype is terrible. <laughs> are you ever going to do anything about it?" <laughs> And what what was the answer to that question? And the answer was well, first his answer was something like, well, you know, you know, we we have lots of smart people who are in our engineering and user experience team, and that may be true, but that doesn't change the fact that Skype Five is really horrible, and and that the argument was he was trying to make it easy easier to use, except that even expert computer users have no idea what they're clicking on or where anything is. We talked about it afterward. In the end, I think his response was that we're always we're always looking to improve our software. Mm. So, words. except for that one time where they really didn't improve it, <laughs> yes. but after that, strong words from Skype. Yeah, so so that was great that that Josh asked that, and afterward I was talking to him about it, and we just you know anybody yeah we've all used it and it's infuriating i i shared the story about how somebody sent me a link in a skype text while i was on a phone call and i had no idea where it was and 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 i had several people at d including um topolsky said yeah i've been there mm-hmm. <laughs> that's same thing it's like it's can people who are smart and know about technology and have used lots of different software and yet are completely perplexed by Skype. And I don't think that they've invented the first user interface that regular people understand, but that power users don't. I suspect it's just bad. So I'm glad he asked. And, and the more times we can get in the face of, of Skype to point out that their software is terrible, the the better. Because we rely on Skype. But I, I know so many people who are still using the old, outmoded, oh, yeah. and falling apart Skype too, which... You know, things things are starting to not work right on Skype too, but it is so much clearer about it's, how to use it. It's easier to than to, Skype 5. to use even if it doesn't work properly. Yeah. Well, um, I think that just about covers every last detail of the the D conference. He said, waiting for you to interrupt if if it did not. No, no, but you forgot that Ari Emanuel was no. Actually, no. Yeah. There was no. There was nothing else interesting. Ari Emanuel was there, the super agent, and he he exposed as as is covered in a great piece by Mr. Topolsky on the Verge, mm-hmm. they, who they got in a little bit of an argument. He um. He showed the – he was a great guest because he showed the utter lack of understanding of technology that is – that runs the entertainment industry. He he came out with lots of bluster, as he tends to do, mm-hmm. about piracy and people not respecting content. And that's all true, but he also showed a complete lack of understanding of anything about the, how technology works. And I think that is – emblematic of the attitude of the entertainment industry that he represents so it was useful in that way um and afterward he he you know sent out an open letter or something that said i i i welcome a dialogue with the 
the people of Northern California because it's very much a entertainment industry in the South and tech industry in the North kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was a good that was a good session for that. But you know that was that that was about it. It, it is fun to see the technology people and the entertainment people um, rubbing elbows at that event. It's just like a high school cafeteria with the there's the jocks over there and the nerds over there and the and the drama club and everyone is it's, there. It's upside down though because the writer has a tan. It's very confusing. <laughs> Jason Snell, we thank you for your fine coverage of the D-Conference last week and for taking the time to talk to us on the podcast today. Thank you, Phil. Thank you for inviting me into the podcast room. Yes, which which, uh, we now have a glorious window out into the world. Yeah, it's daytime when we record this. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, We'll have, I'm sure, lots of information about the Worldwide Developer Conference next week. Uh, Visit Macworld.com, certainly on Monday, June 11th for our live blog of the uh of the keynote yes. there dan morin and i will be there and All then right. hopefully we'll get a podcast out not too long after. i would imagine that that would be on the agenda for i Monday. think so yes. i think our podcast listeners di- would like that to discuss whatever apple has in store perhaps they'll discuss the aaron sorkin steve jobs biopic sure <laughs> it could be it will be tim cook pitching ideas okay in this scene at any rate, we thank you, uh, the listener, for putting up with us for the, the past uh, 20, 20 minutes or so. And uh, take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.